All right. I'm at the Red House with Greg Cagno. Thanks for coming over. Yeah, man. I'm Good excited. to be here. I'm excited to talk to like a uh, a fellow songwriter that is one that like I feel like we have a lot of songwriting overlap. You know what I mean? I feel like we are very a common type of. I feel like we have stuff in common as artists. I agree. Yeah, I I picked that up as soon as I met you last summer for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which was a fun. That was a fun little story in itself. Was uh, yeah. I met you randomly. You were you were kind of invited by extension to come to Pop Tart Fest, uh-huh. the second ever Pop Tart Fest. <laughs> oh, that was only the second and second yeah. ever. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, man. So for those who don't know me personally, uh, I sometimes will do these themed parties, <laughs> like ridiculous parties, and um, one and that was one of them was Pop Tart Fest. So everybody <laughs> just brought Pop Tarts and. And hardly anybody ate any pop tarts. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so it you stocked came you up over. for the year. That's it good. sure did. I mean, I had I was like handing them off to people. It was ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. But it coincided with uh, p- uh, play music on the porch day. That's what the beautiful thing was. So we ended up on this fine porch out here, swapping yes. songs, and I got to meet your whole crew or a piece of your crew at least, and uh, some great people. I mean, yeah. yeah, that was a really that was a really great day for being a new guy in town so it was yeah uh, you know i'm glad you made it it actually was legitimately play music on the porch day yeah so it was pretty beautiful yeah i had gone down to old salem that that morning and saw some stuff and saw the like a big dulcimer troupe was playing down there on one of the porches and uh i wandered around town looking for more and then when cindy told me about your party i was like there's got to be some music over there oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so nice so where are you originally from I'm originally from New Jersey. I grew up in Clinton, New Jersey, which is kind of kind of central, kind of smack dab in the middle of the state, honestly. Mm. Maybe central north, I guess. No, maybe more northwest central. Okay, now I'm getting a little too specific. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm a Jersey guy by, by birth. And, uh, but then I lived all around that state. I, I lived down in Hoboken for a bunch of years after college, and that was kind of where where the music thing kind of took took root or took hold of me a little. I had been playing through college, though. I really started playing in high school. And, uh, but yes, I'm from New Jersey. Yeah, and were you uh, <laughs> around any original music sort of prior to college, or was that really? No, I, I was, because uh, a big, a, a really uh, influential thing was when I was in high school, a great friend of mine, uh, his grandfather, actually, he had gone to the beach and his grandfather saw us hanging out with the acoustic guitars at the beach. And he said, you, you know, you guys should go check out this coffee house in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania called Godfrey Daniels. Like, you know, you got to listen to grandfather. So. Mm-hmm. so we went out and checked out this place, Godfrey Daniels in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And it was a, it was a real game changer because it was a it was a you know, listening room and it was an open mic where people came and played original music. And it was kind of just like, wow, there's, there's a lot of these people, you know, it's like, it was kind of, we had, you know, so this is probably, uh, like junior year of high school. It was, yeah, it was right after I started driving. We drove down to this place and, and started going to these open mics on Sunday nights. Here we are. And, uh, yeah, and that was really like that was kind of my into original music. Now you know what? If we're going, 
while we're chatting, why mm-hmm. not? Yeah. It was, I had gone down to uh, the Jersey Shore with, with, this, with my buddy Christian's family. And uh, we were hanging out on the boardwalk uh, in Ocean City, New Jersey. And we heard, a, you know, we heard some guy playing guitar on the boardwalk. And, of course, it drew us in, you know. So we sat, listened to this guy playing. And he was playing, you know, he was playing stuff we knew, some Crosby, Stills, Nash. And I remember him playing Van Mars and whatever. But then he played a song, which I didn't know. And I was like, that's a good song. Who wrote that one? He goes, oh, I wrote that one. Mm. And I was like, come again? He's like, yeah, that's one of mine. I was like, like, wait a minute, you just you made that song up. You, wait a minute, you can just make up songs, you know? It's like, and now I'm like, now that's I'm, I'm like 14 or 15 at the time. Yeah. And he was the first guy I met who wrote songs. And both of us were kind of like, oh, we got to learn how to do that, man. That, that's cool. I was like, what, what's, it just came out of thin air. This guy just made that song up. So, and uh, so that was the game changer really there. That was like the insight into original music. Yeah. And uh, wanting to be a songwriter. Just because it was, you know, it was, it wasn't something I really, you know, it's like, to me, it was like, you know, I, I already, I loved the Beatles at that time and still do, but I mean, like I was, that was like early on and, uh, but like the idea of writing songs didn't really occur to me until, until I saw someone else do it. Like of course. That, you know, and it's just like to, before that it was just like, well, you got to be on the radio if you write songs or, you know, you got, you got to be a Beatle or, you mm-hmm. know. You just don't think. You, know. you have a totally different perspective of the industry and like what it is at that time. I remember I used to be, I, I still am kind of obsessed with like making lists and stuff. For some reason, it's a gratifying hmm. thing. And I had a list of sort of when I was 16 or 17, I had a, like a bucket list type of thing. Mm-hmm. And on that list was like, at the time, I, I didn't really think of myself as pursuing music. It was before I, before I was pursuing music. And I just had a different idea of how it all worked. And on that list was I wanted like one song that I wrote to make it to the radio somehow or another. Mm. That was like my goal. And, uh, you know, it's funny looking at it now, like how far away, like how, how different I see that whole piece of the industry. Like how I don't, I don't relate to that goal, you know, in any way. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, But you just, when you're first kind of like looking at it from a distance, it just looks totally different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's uh that's cool though, and like the coffee house you went to. So did you go there and perform or did you go there and like see a show? No, we went we went there ex- ex- expressly to go to the uh to the open mic. Oh gotcha. Yeah, and okay. we yeah, we figured out when the open mic was. We didn't we didn't I do remember like the first time we went there, I don't think we had the, the mechanics of it figured out yet, and so we ended up like you know, playing very late, which was which was fine by us. We were both nervous as hell, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then you know we figured out you know you got to get there at this time and draw your tile and they, you know it was very organized and dem- democratic and and uh, and it was a great bunch of people. And then once we figured that out, we were we were pretty much there every Sunday through yeah. the rest of high school, you know, and uh, kind of became our our new musical community, you know. I love that. I mean, that's what I miss. That's what I. Uh, cut my teeth doing yeah and, I mean I did my first gigs were in <laughs> were in a Taco Bell uh-huh. uh, after that I cut my teeth with all my buddies at an open mic in Q 
King up here at a coffee house that oh. isn't there anymore. Okay. And yeah, like... What was that place called? It was called Juice and Java. It was called Foothills Juice and Java. Nice. And it was like, you know, looking back on it now, it wasn't the best coffee. And <laughs> like, it was all hilarious how seriously we took the open mic and stuff. But, you know, that was... That was our introduction to this whole world. And yeah. as far as we knew, that was like a really big deal. That was kind of, uh, we did it every, for a while it was on Thursdays, and I think for a while it was on Tuesdays. And we just went religiously. We went every week, and it was yeah. serious business. It was like where we brought out new material and yeah. tried out new songs. Yeah, and, stuff. and it and it motivated you to have new material. You know, it it's did. Like, it's like you wanted to go back and, and not play the same three songs, you know. So, you know, we went home and wrote new ones and. Yeah, and it was great, and 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 it you know it was a, it was a, a and still is the place is a, is, you know, still running. I played there last, probably a year ago. For, uh, last April, yeah, um, but you know we got to know people doing it for a living there too. You know that that kind of opened that door of like, oh, there's actually, you know, you know. Tens of dollars to be made doing this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Dozens, maybe. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, a great... Well, the thing that led to the next next connection in that story is that uh, we one of the guys who used to come to this open mic was a, was a local hero uh, kind of just busting onto the national scene. This guy, you know John Gorka? Do you know his music? Mm, I'm not so sure. He's one of my favorites and, and has been since back then because, you know, he, he was like the first guy I saw doing it and, and doing it right, you know? Mm. And I was like, oh, this guy is good. Mm. And, and the second time I went to that open mic, I had the fortunate or unfortunate experience. I was on right after him, you know? And I'm, I'm getting ready to go up and, and this guy starts playing. He's like, pulls out his little notebook and throws it on the chair and starts, he's like, ah, I just wrote this. And he starts singing this song. And I was like, and sings like three of the best songs I've ever heard. And it's like, <laughs> oh good, I get to follow that, you know? <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, wow, that's how it's done, you know? Yeah. And, I, and, and it kind of just, you know, it opens up these, these lights and these doors of like, all right, this is what I need to do to get better at this, you know? like learn learn from someone who's doing it right and he was very cool about he was you know very it was a shy dude and still is and uh but but he was kind enough to to uh you know point us in the direction of of um this organization called fast folk out of new york city where he had kind of cut his teeth and learned how to write songs Mm. and and he's like because we were living in hoboken i was in hoboken this is before that, though. No, this, I was still. Jeez, this is high school. I'm still in high school. Uh, anyhow, so years later, when I when I'm closer to it, I started going into New York to this to this workshop, this fast folk workshop, which took place in uh, the village, I guess, right down by Houston Street, run by this guy Jack Hardy, and. Uh, that was Monday nights, I think. And it was, you know, it was a songwriter workshop and it was, and it was, it bring it, bring a song. And they had, I guess they did a prompt at the end of each meeting. If you wanted to write on that for next week or just, you just had to show up with something, but though you could, but you couldn't show up without a song, mm. you know, and they were, and it was, 
those guys were were serious. I mean, they not serious as much as like they weren't sugarcoating it. You know, you're you're like if if your song is too damn nostalgic, you're gonna hear about it. Mm. You know, and it's just and they weren't afraid to 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 cut into, especially you know, young guys like me coming in off the off the train. They'd be like, oh, what are you doing with those major seven chords? Come on, kid. You know? <laughs> but but it's great. And I, again, that was like the way I learned. And uh, were and they that, like looking at songs from a commercial perspective or from a artistic or how would you, ex- <sighs> you know, they, they did tend to write in a, there was like, you could probably being an outsider and being, you know, coming in as a, as a, a new, as a newbie, as a kid. Uh, it was probably the fact that it was like, to me, the themes were a lot darker than I was, than I was, used to or what I was writing you know at the time and I was like well it's not really the headspace I'm in you know and so I, I do feel like you know a lot of the songs I would bring to, to that were a lot a little more positive than, than what was being written in the in the village in the late 1900s you know yeah when you're talking about the village <laughs> in the late 90 or 1900s or whatever the uh I'm picking you know probably what the 80s or something um well this was I probably first went there in the late 80s though yeah if I'm doing my math right i'm picturing like what like lingering shadows of like ginsburg and bob dylan and cohen like well yeah i mean the guy who wrote who who ran the thing just was jack hardy and uh and he had come up in in this in the 60s with with you know he was playing with dylan in the late 60s and so he he was like the he was the old guard he ran the whole thing and and so yeah he he kind of came out of that coffee house scene i see and i and i know you know he did cross cross uh overlap with dylan you know and yeah. uh, and he kind of became like the the vanguard of the of the village and like dave van ronk used to come to his workshops and and like you know it was it was it was well uh well seated as it were and like and over the years i mean people you know this gorka would would come still come to that workshop sometimes and uh but like Suzanne Vega kind of came out of that workshop and, and uh, um, I know Tracy Chapman cycled through there. I know she was Boston, but, mm. but um, anyhow, the, uh, but they started out of that workshop grew this thing called the fast folk musical magazine. And it was a subscription based thing. And this is, you know, this, this is the eighties that starts in, right. They are, they are, doing like a magazine subscription to this and they had they had like a printed you know xerox copied stapled thing at first and then but they would print vinyl of these songs that were coming out of this workshop Hmm. and have this go out as a monthly subscription so like it kind of became this thing of like oh are your songs good enough to get on the vinyl you know vinyl we're talking yeah (laughs) so so that was big. And I, I think I, I know I got I got a song on there the first time in 92, I think it was. And I was like, this is big. You know, this is this is a game changer for me. You know? mm. So. Uh, anyhow, I'm not going to worry about digressing because that's what we're here. To that's do. what we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love this. This is uh, uh, what, what you're making me think of, too, is like something that I'm kind of aware of and you hear about it in the comedy scenes. And I think it also probably applies to the music scenes like in cities like these and in 
areas like New Jersey, but also in like specific cities like Boston and New York, there are these circuits, these networks that are a little more existent and defined. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about New Jersey, like you're talking about an area that's like, like the boardwalk, like there's a central sort of area that people gravitate to, like in the evenings or whatever, mm-hmm. even in the daytime. And that's part of what I feel like is so romantic about being an artist in the Northeast compared to the Southeast, you know, cause down here it's like everybody's so life itself is so spread out and city, you, you can live in a city and you can live in a more dense area, but still, I don't know that like, I don't know that it's quite as uh, at the same level, I guess, of, of sort of this, 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 type of design or whatever this layout this geographical layout that kind of draws people into being more like feeling like they're in a singular community because that that's what i have in my head about boston and new jersey and new york i i hear what you're saying i i i and it you know it does exist on on many levels but i think it's also you know it's community that kind of comes that forms that, you know, and I, and I, I, I would, I, I don't, that's true. I don't, I don't know of that, of that scene in like Raleigh or, or, you know, Greensboro or whatever. I don't really have much experience down here at all. Yeah. But, um, and I guess I just took that for granted. That was like, you know, artists kind of coagulate in the city somehow and, you know, find each other and, and, and through whatever yeah. the format and, uh, and, um, you know, it's it's different levels of that, but I mean, like that, like you know, how artists coagulate on your porch, and like you know that that kind of you know, guys like Colin, Allured, and uh, what's your buddy Chris's name? Yeah, Chris Owens. Chris Owens. Oh, Christopher. Oh, Christopher. And uh, so, anyhow, yeah, I hear, I hear what you're saying though, and and I mean that was that was the nice thing about it was a nice thing about like. Cause Godfrey Daniels kind of connected me to different scenes. And like, I met a lot of people through that, that were in that Boston scene or in that, like, and then fast folk kind of like spread it to somehow I got, I got connected with the Boston, like the, um, Cambridge scene. There's a club up there. Passim. Are you familiar with that? And like Passim was a, was a big, you know, sixties club as well. I think I know, I know Dylan made his rounds through there as well. Joni Mitchell and, and, uh, it was kind of this hotbed in, in Harvard, and still is, right in right in Harvard Square, kind of a subterranean coffee house where you where you'd play, and there was a, a window that was like, was it to your left as you're playing, and you'd like see ankles walking by mm. at street level, you know. So, anyway, um, that's got to be that's got to be interesting at least, at the very least. It's got to be kind of when you're in environments where you know that Dylan played and stuff. That oh, has yeah. to add a little oh, mystique. There's some magic there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I remember like the feel. I can still feel the 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 idea of of being in Greenwich Village, like the when I, you know, even when I just first started going there the first time, just like recognizing the landmarks and 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 like a being of a place that you've read so much about and have seen so many pictures of, and then you're like, you know, it it kind of vibrated to me and in, in, mm-hmm. in that. In that 
and also you you know you're young and you're and like everything is so new you know it's like when you go to a there's something about travel when you're young yeah that is is magical that just kind of like i mean travel is magical and all tra- travel has that built-in magic of if you take yourself out of that comfort zone you're you're a little more open to because you have to be i mean is it a is it a survival instinct or a or a or just a uh, you know the wonder that's built into a human mind you know right. is like when you go to a new place you kind of are just taking in everything like on a, on a different necessity level or a different uh i think you're just seeing more and that's what's been really special about moving down here to me is like i mean i feel like i'm just getting my bearings around here and but like i i i i'm still in this mindset of like this is all so new to me down here mm. that that like it's it's been a real treat you know and it's it's kind of it's it was an unexpected uh not unexpected we had kind of been uh moving toward an opportunity to to move back to North Carolina. My wife is from North Carolina. I see. And yet we have been living in, in, in the, you know, mostly Pennsylvania since we've been up there. Uh, did we ever live? No, the first time we lived together was Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, she grew up down here in Southern Pines, mm, you know? Yeah. And actually went to school of the arts as a, as a kid. Oh, cool. And now she's like back, you know, 30 years later and then she's the, director of that program so it's a nice full circle hmm. thing there it's also a nice homecoming for for you know family down in you know she's got family in southern pines and family in uh elon and and now she's got a little brother right here in, in winston nice which is nice yeah and cousin right down the road here and so so it's nice that we you know we it's the area is new to us but we have some roots built in which is oh yeah that helps a lot yeah Culturally, I guess different, but you know, Pennsylvania, I guess a little less drastically different uh, than further further northeast. Um, you know, there's some like rural, plenty of rural communities and stuff like that. Were well, y'all, you we, know, we were mostly in Philadelphia. Okay, you yeah, were in Philly. Yeah, but but that's not true. Most for the longest time, we were in. Uh, there's a little town, river town called New Hope. Have you heard of that? I've heard of New Hope. Yeah. And uh, great artistic town on the river, right, right on uh, the Delaware. And, uh, you know, a, kind of an artist community since the 50s, pretty much. And, mm. and, and uh, there's the uh, uh, Bucks County Playhouse was like kind of a, a uh, proving grounds for Broadway that kind of drew a lot of artists out there in the 50s, I think. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and a, a handful of famous authors lived around there and. And uh, Leon Redbone lived around there. Weren't mm. we talking about Leon Redbone, you and me? No, it was somebody else. No, it wasn't you. Sorry. <laughs> um, anyhow, so we were in New Hope for the first 10 years, I guess. And then we moved down to Philadelphia. And we were there for about seven or eight years. So, Was music always the art form that spoke to you the most? Or is it the art form that speaks to you the most? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Even as a listener as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I appreciate, you know, I, I I appreciate all forms and 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 are and am 
gratefully exposed to a lot of them through, I mean, my, my wife is, was more of a theater performer, more of a musical theater performer. And, uh, and now, and now through, uh, school of the arts, you know, I see a bunch of theater over there and, uh, we actually went to, uh, spring dance show last night downtown and it's fabulous, but it's, but music is what I connect to and what I, the lens that I see things through and, yeah, you know, and, uh, I've, I've done a little theater just kind of by accident almost, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's not, I, I, I appreciate it and I appreciate it more having, you know, you know, seen the pros do it and see, see how much, how hard my wife has worked at doing it. But, uh, I'm, I'm, the music's the, the one for me. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. One time I was on this thing, somebody, uh, hey babe, a little like in production thing was looking for a banjo player and uh-huh. I couldn't find somebody. I was like, yeah, I play banjo and I think, I think it was paying. So I don't think I would have done it if it wasn't. Uh-huh. But, uh, it was a theater production and it was, it was interesting cause it was, it was puppets oh, in wow. theater. And so what it was was like puppets with real hands that really played instruments, but you had a puppeteer attached to you. Oh, that's funny. And they were running the puppet, and you were being the hands. That's funny. So I got this gig that was just, all it was was like a a, a pre-production example of this. So we put on like a 10-minute performance that had some dialogue, but also a music performance. And as we were working on things, they were sort of like, okay, now we're going to have this moment where we do this sort of thing where we make all this racket and, and basically it was like, instead of, instead of it being pure, just I play an instrument, they wanted me to almost step into the the shoes of somebody who's comfortable in a more theatrical role. Mm. And I just like, I just in the middle of it had to tell them like, I'm sorry, I am not prepared to do that. Like I'm not mentally prepared to be a theater person. It's not, I, that's not the way I understand performance. I'm right. not cap. I'm not been trained to be that free exactly on stage. Yeah. Uh, you want me to do anything with my instrument? I can do it, but I can't, I, I don't know. I just can't do it. And it changed, it changed everything about what their whole plan was in this thing. But point being, there's just a difference in the type of artist that is able to embody a character versus that, that, it, that artist that, like tries their best to perfect an instrument. They're different crafts. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't think I could have been an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, you know, you're a showman though. You're also, you know, you're, you're the, the overlap of being able to hold the attention of a room of people with, you know, you're embodying characters. And, you know, maybe, maybe I know a lot of, a lot of the songs are, first person, but you have some songs that are not. And in, even the one, you know, like you, you start from a first person place and kind of, it becomes a character, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, the, uh, life lessons record of yours is just great, man. And like, I'm, I'm speaking of, you know, I don't know you that well. And I'm, and, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't care if these songs are true or not. You know, it's just like, that, that's that's when it becomes like to me it's like the song the songwriting is going to be interpreted by the listener you know and it's going to be 
you know, I'm, we're, I'm sure you feel similar. I'll take this off. Um, we're always, we're interested in getting a point across. Yeah. But then at some point, that point becomes up to the listener, you know? So it's, it's like, I, I want to know that the song is saying what I wanted it to say, but I'm okay with you interpreting it a different way. Of course. You know, and, and it's, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the blessing and the curse or the fun, the fun and the, and the struggle of, of songwriting is like, am I, did I write it clearly enough that what I intended is getting through? Even if they take that a different way, you know, but I want them to hear the, hear the words or, he, or, or hear the message that I was trying to get across. And, and then they can apply that to their lives, you know, or, you know, that's, that's, yeah, I get tied up in the philosophy of it, but like, that's, that's the truth. You know, it's just like, Some you know you don't want to know too much about what a songwriter was going for. Yeah, where it becomes like someone telling you what to think. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> um, which, by the way, I, I just thank you for um, for saying mentioning that or whatever. Because truth be told, uh, you know I have I was scared of the Life Lessons Project because of what it is and how deep I went in it or mm. whatever. Uh, with just my own willingness to say things that I ordinarily wouldn't have said on record, you know, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually quite proud of that. But it, I, I noticed like when it, when I put it out, I was like scared to death of promoting it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't know how that happened exactly, but I just, I didn't really promote it. I didn't really try to get a lot of eyes on it. I didn't do hardly any press for it. So anyway, as a, a songwriter who I like what you do, I like truly trust your sense of the craft uh, it does mean a lot to me that you like that project. Um, and, and yes, I totally agree. Like there's something stoic. There's something honest, I think about the lack of control. Cause like, I don't like, I don't like clawing for control anyway. Like it feels bad to, um, feel like I, like I, it reminds me of when I was younger, I guess. Like, I feel like it's an, it's, there's, there's something a bit immature, I think, about the tendency to try to grasp as much control of other people and of their perspective and of their their sense of something as you can. And as a songwriter, I don't like it. I, I don't like it at all when I start to get the sense that somebody's, they're telling me this story leading into a song in a way that is like constricting my imagination or mm-hmm. not leaving enough room for me to experience the song or anything like that. I can think of other examples that I won't necessarily put on blast, but like examples of people just insisting. I will mention this. I met a, I met a artist once who wrote a book that I knew of that just like, he was like, I, I want to write a book that was like about all of my intentions for all of my songs. Cause people have their own interpretations, but I wanted them to know my meanings. And there's like, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But um, on, on the other hand, you're sort of like, you're kind of suggesting that your interpretation of this is more important than the audience's. And I'm not sure if that's true. You know, like sometimes it, 
the audience's experience with this is the most important thing. Yeah. You know, and I think giving them room to have that is kind of sacred. It's like, you don't need to impose every single, you don't need to impose as much control as you can over the, how these songs are received. No, no. I mean, you can only lead them into it. You know, you can only, you can only give them that, that jumping off point. I did a, I'll also mention, I did a workshop once at UNCW that was like, oh, I went to a creative writing camp for two years. It's in Wilmington, okay. In Wilmington, and I wrote this thing. I only noticed, I guess I noticed what I just laid out because I was guilty of it and why I say it was immaturity. Uh, I wrote I wrote this story, and then I wrote this thing that went with the story that was like kind of exactly that. Like, these are the... These are things you should know about my intention. Mm. And I remember the, the one of the guys who was like responsible for the camp and stuff, he was like, yeah, I didn't print that bullshit out. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, you should always assume that your audience is just as smart as you. And, I, and I've, I've never forgotten that. I've always tried to practice that ever since he Great told me advice. that. Yeah. Now, what year? Well, when did you start writing songs? I rem- I was I I definitely had them floating around in my head, I mean from a very young age, nice. and so when I was very young, I only played drums, and I would write songs while playing the drums. Like I would I would have the lyrics in my head and had no real context for how to put melody and stuff to them, um, and all through childhood I had songs and stuff that would just kind of linger in my mind. But when I got a guitar at age 16, that was when it really just kind of started to happen all the time. And that was when it became a, a craft for me, for me rather than this sort of ghost that, that I sensed was in me mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How, about, how about you? You, were, you started writing songs. I was probably 15, yeah. 16. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, probably like the sophomore year. It's 15, yeah. Now, when, did, when would you say, so you started at 15, 16, somewhere around there. <laughs> Do you know when you would say the songs started to get better? <laughs> well, I, li- I like to think that they 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 get better. <laughs> Each yeah. one is better, <laughs> and to to some extent that was true. But when did they start getting better? Uh, I mean, you know, they started getting better through the open mics. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess I had written songs before I went to that open mic, but. Trying to remember, uh, beginning there is a little foggy, but yeah, I mean, I don't know that I want to hear any of them now, but like, I, I'm I'm certain that like you know by by like my senior year of high school, I was writing some songs that I liked, and I know I've somewhere I've got a I've got a recording of something. I now I remember going to see my friend. I had a friend who was a year older, still have the still friend. Uh, <laughs> who was a year older, and he had gone to, to uh, college in um, in California, USC, and he was going to, I think he was going to, was he in film school out there, or he was going, maybe he was doing like recording arts out there, and uh, he had invited me out for for spring his spring break, mm. and uh, which I guess coincided with mine somehow, and I and I flew to California to see him, and uh, and he had a, an old. A DAT machine, access to a DAT machine, and I and we set up this DAT machine at a uh, at some girl's beach house. Uh, I think we were in Malibu, 
I mean, I had no idea where I was or, or what was going on really, but like here we, we just rolled tape and just like you and I like sat down and played songs for a few hours and somewhere I have that recording, which mm. I, you know, which has some of those old songs on it, which, you know, I always, I have a, I have a box where this stuff is. I haven't listened to it since then, but like I, I always tell myself, don't lose that box. Oh, but that's good stuff. You, you know, man. just keep that box because when you're 80 you're going to want to hear this stuff you know mm. or you know and i'll get there but I, like, like i said i don't know that i want to hear it now but like i i feel like that was the that was the you know that that like you said the, that open mic the, the motivation to to keep writing songs and bring new things in yeah that's how you get better you just keep doing it you know and it's a muscle you know it's just like mm. you learn you know and, and you, you learn what works you learn what doesn't and you start developing little tricks, you know, or not, you know, there's, there's devices, which I, I see throughout my writing through the years that I, I'll, I'll do it. And then I'll be like, ah, I've done that before. Or, or maybe that's just one of the things I do, you yeah. know? And it's just kind of like, why not? You know, yeah. whatever works. So, and, and the, the one thing that, that, that no one tells you is you know songs pour out of you in the beginning you know yeah no kidding and, and like and you know you write in your 20s like you don't even be, intend to write a song and you and you've got a song you're on the bus and you've got a song by the time you get there and yeah and and that was a beautiful time period you know and like i miss that you know it's like they don't tell you that that yeah that it's going to run out you no know? one talks about that yeah. but that is so true <laughs> so I was wondering that on the way here because I, I I know now you're in your 30s now. Uh huh. Now, have have you have you had that? Are you are you on the other side of that, or are you are you still? You seem pretty prolific. I don't I don't know how much you've been writing. I know you're working on a record now. Yeah, it all depends. Uh, it depends a lot on lifestyle yeah. and where I'm at mentally and and with sort of where my life is. But uh, what I notice is instead of it being like this pouring I do have more control over it I mm -hmm. think and mm -hmm. so because of some things I practice I can I can sometimes decide like okay I'm going to write now um, for example instead of instead of like waiting for inspiration or something something I think like like there was that time there was a time where it just flowed and flowed and flowed and it was just like I mean it was it was crazy. It was like I treated it like a full-time job but made zero money doing it, you know? <laughs> like I would stay up late into the night like I've got to finish this song. I would write two songs in a day, you know, who nice. knows. Wow. All, all sorts of shit when I was in my 20s. At one point when I took a break, then I was like I'm not going to write for a while. And since then kind of from I don't know how it's exactly happened, but from coming back from that, my relationship now seems to be a lot more that if I if I have an idea that I've accidentally found or stored on my phone or something, I you know there are there are times where a mood strikes me where it feels like a bit of a flow, but more often than not I can actually decide when I'm gonna write. Mm -hmm. That wasn't something that I used to do. Like it used to be more like lightning striking or or just a constant flow. And now it's a little bit more like okay I'm gonna make time to devote to to writing. And I noticed that it's um. It's just more, yeah, it's more control, I think, over the craft. It's more like an intentional style of mm -hmm. writing rather than a rather than a chaotic one or something mm -hmm. or a, just like a haphazard style of writing. Yeah. 
But you are right, though. Like, I didn't know, and I hadn't really thought about that, but it does slow down, and it does become more selective or something. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true for... I, don't, I wonder if that's... I wonder how, like, Nashville guys, Song Factory guys, or even more, like, guys like... Somebody like Springsteen. Like, I wonder if it slows down for them, you know? I'm sure, you know. I, I think it is... I mean, one of the things that the... Uh, that that fast folk workshop and, and um, that that writing on a schedule thing was like, you know, and like I said, like we said, the the having stuff ready for open mic, writing to a deadline, it does work, you know. Yeah. And like if you if you tell yourself I need to show up with a with a song, you'll have a song. It may not be a good song, right. you know, but you're gonna finish a song. And I think kind of put holding holding yourself to a to a schedule yeah, that's always worked you know mm-hmm. uh i you know I, I say that but now but right now i'm not part of a, a songwriting group that's holding me to a schedule so it's not like but like all through when i was going to these workshops and i started going to different ones even there was one in jersey that meant monthly and that was kind of a, a little more obtainable i would i would know i'd have something done and 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 uh refined for that one you know it's like I, I would i would show up with something that was more complete whereas the, i feel like the new york one i was just like racing to have something done but motivated to do it you know yeah so and uh and I, it's also a function of you know as you get as you get do it more and get better at it or they get or the songs get better you want to hold yourself to that standard more and mm-hmm. so you start getting more hard on yourself and there's the catch 22 of the of the 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 editing voice in your head saying that's not quite that good you know that's that's not as good as you were hoping for you know (laughs) and that's the that's the danger of like you know editing before it's done you know and like i have i have friends who write these songs that are i'm amazed how long their songs are (laughs) To, to, for good or for, for, for good or for better not. Or worse, yeah. But uh, uh, no, I mean, you think you know, you, you like. I I I can count on my one hand if I have uh, songs that have more than four verses, you know. And I'm pretty much like a, but that's why I write. I mean, I I I stick to a. I tend to formulate an idea in three verses. Mm-hmm. And after that, if, I, if, I'm, if it's not wrapped up by the third, maybe it needs a fourth, maybe. But like, I don't know, the songs kind of unfold. To me, if it's like a, if it can't be said by the third verse, your song might be a little too long. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. And, and, but then I hear it done. Then, I'll, you know, I'll listen, I love Dylan. And I listen to Dylan and I'm like, I don't get bored listening to the eighth verse of Desolation Row, but right. you know, is it the same song? Or, or, or you know, it's a different it's a different way to write. Yeah, but you know, well, and from that question, Dylan came to mind. Like Dylan's, you know, in like the five hundred song club or something, and yeah. uh, I'm sure he wrote probably four hundred of those before he was forty years old. Yeah, know? like yeah. He's 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 definitely slowed down from when he was just from when he was on some kind of cycle of putting out two album two studio albums a year or whatever it was, um, 
I don't know if that I might be exaggerating his productivity, but nonetheless, I mean, he wrote a lot in his in the early stages of his career. Sure. Um, and I'm sure it does slow down for more people. But, you know, there's three, obviously three major components in the songwriting craft or whatever. There's the lyric writing. There is maybe not in the songwriting craft, but in what we do. There's the there's the songwriting. There's the uh, guitar playing and there's mm. the voice. Mm. You have all three of these things, and I'm wondering which of these three is most either most primary to you, most enjoyable, came most naturally to you. What is your relationship with those three components? Oh, good question. The the part that comes most na- naturally and is the most enjoyable is the guitar, for sure. Mm. Yeah. You are a hell of a guitar player. Thank you. And uh, that that piece is... I don't know. That, I mean, that's the that's the engine for me. Is like a, lo- a lot of the a lot of the songs come out of the music, but not always. Uh, v- vocally, um, you know, melodies kind of build for me. You know, but uh, of the three, that's that's. I don't want to say the afterthought, but it's it's the last thing I think of. Mm. I mean, I, I'll a, a melody will often evolve as a song kind of gets finished. Like, but it's a, I mean, the song is in the lyrics. You know, it's like, but it like the mood of the song can be determined by the music and can be driven by the music but it's the song is going to be about the lyric you know yeah i mean none of your songs are about what the what the music is i guess it can be that's a very good question tyler it definitely can be for some people but i'm i'm with you on that i relate yeah 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 and like i i love you know i I love a song that kind of it's all how you present a song that be, it becomes what kind of song is this? You know, it's like if you, you can take a song and go and go into some minor tuning with it and it, it becomes a lot more intense song all of a sudden, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, and sometimes you kind of realize uh, like, you know, the lyrical kind of dictate what mood you're going for. And then I'll kind of change the music to fit that more, you know, but, and it's fun to like, try it different ways too and just try it like saying you know i want to i want to have i have a piece of music i want to fit lyrics to or i have or i have lyrics that i'm going to fit to music or i'm going to write them together Mm -hmm. you know and it doesn't you know it doesn't always work but it it leads you to something you know yeah how about you When, Uh, when you write what's your what's your do you go at it different ways i have I have main ways that I do it, and I will admit that. So, and, I, and when I listed that that three, actually, I should have mentioned melody too. That should have been the fourth one. So, voice, which I kind of use it hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. It like goes with melody. Yeah, because yeah. um, because there's like your voice, but then there's like vocals. You know what I mean? And right, right. Like there's some songs. I guess what comes to mind is like there's some songs that I push as far as I can vocally because I'm trying to sing well. But then 
there's other songs that sound better if I'm like very relaxed in my vocals. Yeah. So there's like the vocal quality, but there's also its relationship to melody. Then there's lyrics and there's uh, guitar playing. Yeah. Guitar playing, I think I've been, I've enjoyed trying to be good at guitar, you know, and getting good at guitar. Uh, but, and it's, it's more fun now, I think, as a performance, as a piece of my performance. But it was always secondary to sort of lyric and melody. And melody has been an important thing that has informed, like, basically lyric structure for me, I think. So melody, I, I, I don't, I find it impossible for myself to write lyrics without knowing what the melodic structure is. Not impossible, I've done it before, but what I like better is knowing, like, I have this space, this many syllables, this room that goes, and if I have that, then that tells me sort of like, it's almost like, like Mad Libs. Like it tells mm-hmm. me how much space I have to fill with yeah, lyrics. Figure and out that's, the puzzle. Yeah. that's the space I use. Um, and I think that that, I think that does add a little bit to a rhythmic component to some of the way that some of my songs work. Like it, it feels to me when I'm singing it, it feels very symmetrical, um, which I think is due to just the balance that I try to strike with with stuff so most important is i suppose i would say most important is like melody and lyrics and guitar is a huge part of what supports that Mm -hmm. but you know obviously if you need to switch to a different instrument then uh then i do that like if i have to play on keyboard i'm not the least bit interested in playing the keyboard like well it's just that it it's just that it's supporting the lyrics and the melody do you write on keyboard sometimes Sometimes yeah. some songs I did some of life lessons I did uh, I did some of those songs on keyboard, nice. which was an, another way for me to just change how I approached that whole project. Yeah, yeah, that one was different. How old is that record? It came out in 2019. Okay, so it's fairly new. All right. Yeah, that was the last thing I released before, uh, I guess before the pandemic shit, right? Like yeah, it would have been 2020. Yeah, so it must be for. And I get yeah because. Yeah, I put out Devil, I think, in 2020 or 20, 2021. So, yeah, that was my last release before kind of really going on hiatus and taking a break mm-hmm. and and all that. Non-voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, took, I was already... I put it out in, like, I think October of 2019. Okay. So... After that, it was kind of a weird experience. But when I when I put out Life Lessons, like the night of the release, it f- felt very bad. I like, I think it was just like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but I didn't have something else to move on to, and I think something about that felt bad. Uh, so I was actually like entering into a hiatus already, and then and then March happened, and. Uh, then the hiatus became like worldwide and I was just like, Oh, this is, this is not what I was expecting to, to happen. It just seems surreal. That's, that's a whole other conversation, but yeah, it's just no like kidding. you, you flashes of, of that time and you're just like, it, it seems surreal now. You know? it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not, I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know. I can't even wrap my head around. It's still marble. <laughs> Oh my god. She's so cute. Hello, girl. 
That's uh, right where I left you. That's where you were sitting when I left here yep. last time, back in uh, December. She loves that chair. Yeah, I think it was December or yeah, it late right, December yeah, or it was January. Right before or New like Year's. That. Yeah. What uh, a great night. That was a fun night here. Yeah, it was. Right. For those who weren't here, it was a uh, my first my first Red House concert in the house that involved like multiple artists and was kind of semi public in a way like mm-hmm. a, like other people invited people and yeah it was just great i mean that was like a that was it was kind of magical like it was it was you and colin all your red and our band and it was just like man like i i just i was standing back there while you were playing like this is so stacked like <laughs> this is a better show than i've seen in in winston in a long time and it's <laughs> it's in my house this is wild well i hope you'll do some more man i look forward to checking Checking the Red House series out, the uh, yeah, I don't know. I know, yeah. you, I know you will. I know yeah. you will. I have another craft question that I want to ask before, because I'm because because I want to I want us to trade some songs. Uh, Great, awesome. But I, another craft question before we do that, which is, I'm wondering like, sometimes I live in a way. That's like a, like kind of like a almost like like always be closing kind of mentality. It's like a always be writing thing, mm-hmm. and it's like I'll find myself in a just a environment where I'm not the least bit in the right mood to be an artist. I've, like the last time that this happened, I was like on a job site. I was like busy, mm-hmm. but I found myself looking at the room, being like, "Oh, look at this! Like, look at this setting." Like this is so interesting, and I was like kind of collecting it all as a picture, the way that, the way that I'm sure other songwriters do, other artists do. And I think it was a, a day or two later, I wrote a song that was kind of about observing that. Oh, cool. And I guess I'm wondering where some of your song ideas really begin. Not when you sit down and start writing the song. Not when you like are playing guitar, but sort of like what you're like i'd love to understand more about how you're kind of looking at the world in a way that lets lets the world inform what you're might what you might write about yeah i mean that's you know it's kind of a mystery but it's also the kind of thing that you you know you keep filling the well with exposing yourself to whatever that inspires you and you don't really know what it's going to be and but I think as songwriters, you you start developing this sense of picking up on something that's going to be a song, you know. And you go out looking for that. You really, you know, you do. Yeah. And you know, and and there was always like a, a joke with not a joke, but like with my songwriter friends, you know, some bullshit would happen, and and they'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna get a song out of that," you know. Yep. And and like you start like collecting those things and you know and maybe you have a maybe you have a notebook with with you know you probably have a notebook with random ideas that i don't know what this is going to be but i'm going to need i'm going to use it sometime you know and or you find old stuff like that but um yeah i mean i think it's just always being open to that spark you know it's like you you know there was one thing about public transportation that was always kind of like overhearing conversations Mm. and be like oh that's a little nugget there i'm I'm taking that you know and uh and it's still that way for me i mean like i I, i'll get a i'll get a little spark from a turn of a phrase that you know you yeah you i'm sure you read a lot you know and it's just like stuff will pop up in there you're like oh that's that kind of just 
you know, you start going down a rabbit hole with an idea and be like, that could be a song, right? You know, or, and even if it's not, sometimes you're just kind of, you know, it, it, once you ask yourself, could that be a song? Answer is yes. You know, it, yeah. it could always be a song, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be a good song. You know, it's, it, it's going to, if it's going to get you writing, it'll, it'll turn into a song, you know? So the, my answer is, is just, I, I am still perennially tuned into what's going to be, what's going to be in my next song, you yeah. know? And it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm not in the always be closing mode as much as always be writing. You know, I, I do like to have something that I'm chipping away on. Mm-hmm. And, and if I don't, I kind of feel like I'm not doing my job, you know, but, uh, but more than not, like I'll finish one thing and I'll be like, yeah, all right, what's next now? You know, it's just like, I know there's something else in here that's brewing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I, do, I don't, there's a thing about songwriting is you, on one hand, you don't want it to end. And on the other hand, you can't wait till it's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I can't say I love to write, but I love having a new song, you yeah. know? And it's just like, and when you finish a song that you kind of like, you're just like, why don't I do that every day, man? That's so fulfilling, you know? And then, then there's like this beautiful grace period of like, Oh, I just wrote a song that I kind of like, you know, I may not like it tomorrow, so I better enjoy it now. (laughs) That does happen. (laughs) But yes, as you pointed out, I mean, like interesting phrases, nugget phrases. Those are great. Uh, I love idioms. I love being reminded of a idiom or learning of an idiom or or learning the history of an idiom and kind of tying that into things. Uh, And just, yeah, like, capturing those that that feels like a cultural thing you know like it captures the Appalachian culture in a way mm. sometimes to capture like uh to accurately sort of work an idiom into a song um and I love imagery and I, I love like anytime I can I can name an interesting place or whatever and and public transportation is a great example yeah. of oh yeah that kind of setting that brings about stuff like you just who knows you're gonna pass some place called like Meals on Wheels or something, or Ted's, you know, BJ's Shoes or, you know, Ted, Live at Ted's or whatever, like all these these weird places. And, and all of a sudden there's... High Point Climax. You know. Yeah. Welcome, North Carolina. Like, what the... Why, why the fuck is there a town called Welcome? Like, it's great. Stuff like that, I think, is, right. oh, is yeah. so much cannon fodder. Yeah. There was, there was a town in New Jersey called Hope. Hope, New Jersey, mm. and and just outside of Hope was the land of make believe. This place, this place called the land of make believe. Really, and I was just like, that's just begging. <laughs> it's just, like, it's just sitting right there, beyond Hope in the land of make believe. I mean, like, come on, <laughs> stuff like that. You just, I mean, you're open to it. Give me, a, give me an example of a, of a uh, an idiom like you're talking about for for uh, Appalachian, uh, uh like an. Uh one of these uh, songs that I'm going to play today, a new song, um, I use this phrase, uh, it looks like it's trying to rain. Mm. And that's just something that like is normal. They used, you used to hear, like especially with old timers, like people say that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, one, in this song, I was trying to work in the phrase about like the devil's beating his wife. 
but I couldn't really figure out a way to do that in a way that it felt graceful, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. that, cause that's a, that's a pretty harsh phrase. And I started like <laughs> trying to figure out where it came from and stuff, like started researching it. And, and it's such a, such a, a sensational idiom, you know, that it's a, it was a little <laughs> harder to do, but like that was the temptation. Uh, anything that I can make kind of colloquial mm-hmm. is fun. I'm trying, I'm, I'm sure that there's some stuff, even I guess one example, um, there's a song that I put out on Devil called Devil and a Dead Man. And there's a lot of like personal sort of colloquial terms in that one that might not be commonly used idioms, but mm-hmm. they're more personal colloquial terms. Like mean mugging is a fun little phrase to use that, or, or like um, show, uh, talk to him with the least bit of salt, son. Uh, Going to show you what the gloves are for. Oh, nice. You kind of assume that mm-hmm. the audience knows what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's fun about it is like when the audience does know what you mean by that, it's kind of a an exciting thing. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, we're speaking the same language that if somebody else didn't know what we meant, like they wouldn't quite grasp what we're saying. Mm-hmm. I love shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I'm hoping to get enough credibility to work in... Uh God willing and the creek don't rise into the <laughs> Yeah. That's a good Is that one. the is that the right phraseology? Is it do I have that right? Yeah. <laughs> I, respectfully. I know. I, I know I'm a Yankee, you know. I, I'm not I'm not gonna push my luck too hard. But. Man, it's all good. <laughs> We're all friends down here. <laughs> you really are. And I gotta tell you, it's uh it's not a it's not an exaggeration how kind people are in North Carolina. Really? I, I've been like Surprised by the kindness in the best way, and uh, but I knew it. I knew it already. But like when we moved down here, I was just like, "Gosh, it is real." I mean, it's it's real. Like the when the when the, my neighbor walked over with some fresh biscuits the first day we moved in, I was like, "This is actually happening right now." That's amazing. Yeah, I love that man. I mean, and I'm really glad to hear that, and uh, <laughs> especially because I, you know. Um, there's plenty of mixed feelings and, and there can be, there's room for mixed feelings. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. I just like, I'll be real selective saying this, but I heard <laughs> something this last week that, 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 that I'd love to criticize and I won't, mm-hmm. but, um, it was, it was a bastardization, I think of the concept of, uh, Southern hospitality mm. and, so anyway, just to, to hear you say that your your experience with Southern hospitality has been legitimate. I've had a good one, yeah. I'm I know, glad. You know, and I, while I'm thinking of it, I do. I want to shout out my my neighbor Candace because she's a, she's a fan of yours. So ho- oh. hopefully she'll hear this and and know that I'm she'll know I'm talking about her. She was the only one who brought me biscuits. Biscuits <laughs> are so damn good. But she's fantastic, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll talk more about her. But Hell she yeah. uh, she. Uh, she likes Bob Dylan as well. She'll she'll text me all the time, and tell me she's listening to Bob. She te- I remember it was like around Christmas time, and it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I got this text from her, and I was like, "Oh, shoot, is she okay?" You know, and she's just like, "I'm I'm just over here enjoying Bob Dylan's <laughs> Christmas album, and I'm cracking myself up." I just wanted to tell you that, and I was like, "That just made my day." And I don't care how late you can tell me that any time, any hour of the night. Love that. <laughs> Bob, love Bob too. Bob's Christmas record. I, you know, I didn't even know that existed until right then. And but 
it's an experience. Do yourself a do yourself a treat. Well, now I want to hear the song about feels like rain. Yeah, or, let's. Or it feels uh, like it's gonna rain. Let's or, do that. Give me that phrase again. It's uh, trying to rain. It's trying to rain. Yeah. And it does. It it fits well with the song because this brand new song called um, "I Don't Mind the Rain." Okay, cool. So I'm gonna test this and make sure that our guitar mic is working All right. well enough. That's this is the world premiere. I'm gonna move it a little closer. All this. right. And we'll just toggle back and forth. It looks pretty all right. Good man, managing managing both roles. <laughs> Do what we can out here. <laughs> all right, so this is a brand new one. I, I might struggle along with it a little bit, okay. as you might Understood. guess. Um, another one of those family songs, you know? And uh, I won't tell you about it like I won't do what I was and impose my will on the interpretation but I'll just tell you about a little of the writing process this was one that I found this line in my phone and I'd sing it and I'd sing some lines with it and I was like god I really like that but I just I, it took me some effort actually to figure out what the song was about and then the first line of this song popped in my head one day and I was like maybe that's the answer I played with a lot of different angles, but finally I said, no, you know what, instead of, instead of making this about like kind of different characters, I'm going to lean in on making this about uh, these characters and see what happens. And hmm. This song came out, and I'm actually really pleased with it. Cool. Side when they feel the water 
in the sky And we'd stand underneath the tent And greet the rain just like a friend And say, I don't mind the rain Falling down across an old tin roof I don't mind the time inside If you want to know the truth Well, I know that sun is waiting for his chance to shine again So for a little while I don't mind the rain It's been years since Henry died And was laid to rest by Betty's side And when the rain comes down today It feeds the flowers round his grave Now I keep a garden just to see what I can figure out It's just a little garden, it ain't nothing to write home about uh, and Sometimes I wonder how it was that Henry grew so much He must have had a green thumb or not mother nature might as touch Sometimes when the summer yield has turned me red as an apple peel See the dark clouds rolling in like a mountain floating in the wind And I think I don't mind the rain falling down across my burning brow I don't mind the rain, in fact we need it anyhow well, I know that sun is waiting for his chance to shine again. So for a little while, I don't mind the flowing in the wind yeah that's a good song man thank you yeah. yeah i i actually feel real um invested in that one it's it it suits you it's a i hear the i hear the gardener in you in there as well you know? i love that that's the best that's the best feedback i could get um yeah so it's kind of about my grandfather you okay know, and I felt like it was kind of informed by a conversation I had with a friend of mine, Lauren, uh, who was just, she was like, yeah, you know, everybody around here tells me about their grandfather who just had the biggest garden and all this. And <laughs> it's true, man. Right. I don't like after starting my little garden last year, I don't know how he did it. Oh yeah. Uh, but he did. I mean, he kept a massive garden. Um, so that's kind of the history for that song. Very nice. Well done, man. Yeah. When did you finish it up? I'm still working on it. <laughs> I think I finished it like three or four days ago. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I've been like, I, I emailed it to my 
to my uh, bandmates and just kind of was like, um, just kind of sitting with it and just, yeah, yeah, just, I record a little demo of it, but I really like that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's got a place. That's a keeper. Yeah. The, uh, I was just going to say when you, you're, you're, uh, you guys are solid bandmates. Those guys can really play. I mean, I'd like to hear my, uh, I guess I only caught you once with with Michael, but yeah, man, they are they are really good bandmates, and yeah. they're both so musical. And like you, you got to hear some of Kike's stuff sometimes. Hell yeah, sometime uh, Michael too. Like they're both. It's like it's interesting. They're both these like mad geniuses that their stuff isn't really out there in the public that much. Really, and yeah. It's almost a bummer. It's like man, your your stuff deserves a light on it. Yeah. Um, and I hope that they start sharing their stuff more because they're, they're brilliant musicians. Yeah. Have you written anything new lately? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I've got something brand new that I'm probably going to have to lay on you. Just cause I'd love that. Just cause, but I think I might play something else first just cause I think I'm tuned to the right thing. That works. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've been, digging away at a song this week and it was kind of like well if you finish it maybe maybe you play it so that was kind of a good motivation to get it get it done or at least enough to play for you but hell yeah i think i'll play this one first just because I, I, I tuned to it when I, I just i changed my strings before this i use this guitar mostly for for open tunings and um when i when i perform I usually used two guitars at sometimes three and uh just to kind of give you it keep you cut down on the tuning time you have them kind of set in, in like I, I use a lot of stuff that's around open C mm. and then another guitar I'll use for stuff that's around open D and then one I'll leave, leave in standard and uh did I move that too far? um Say hello. Hey, hello. Mm. Da, 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 da. All right. Um, anyhow, so yeah, so when I tuned it back up, I, I just tuned. When I put the strings on, I just I just tuned to this. I tuned it to C because in my in my head, like I wanted to get used to that tension. You know, I don't want it to like to be in to be in standard mode. Well, if you need a standard one uh, and you don't want to retune... Oh, that's a good idea, yeah. Now, what which Martin do you have? I can't remember. That's a JM40, or J- J40M. J40M, that's yeah. pretty. Yeah, that's really pretty. Yeah, it is a it is an unusual build. It's a dreadnought top with a jumbo bottom, and it just allegedly is was designed for uh, to be a hybrid of flat-picking and finger-picking guitar, which is like kind of... Kind of ideal for me, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's I love it. It's a great guitar. They have such a nice low end. The balance of Martins is just yep. yeah. I think yeah. they're can't be beat. Yeah, I mean, is this a D twenty eight. This is a a, a HD thirty five. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And uh, it's just got that nice bigger low end that I don't know, it lends itself to what I do more. That was the. the uh, we we 
touched on pandemic a little bit before, and it, it, this I started this song last night because we were. I told you we had gone to that uh, spring dance show last night, and I'm still kind of uneasy about being in in rooms with a lot of people. You know, yeah. like audiences. Yeah, it's hard to get past. It, it's it's a lot. Yeah. And and I didn't mask up last night, and it, I think it might have been. Well, that's been other. There's been others that I haven't. But there were there were, a, you know, a, a good contingent of people who were who were masked up, and I respect that. You know, I'm like. And then as we were walking out of the theater, I, I you know, I, I heard some comment by someone someone walking by, uh, making comment about some people in masks, and I was just like, that wasn't cool, you know, just like. You do you, man. You know, just you do you. Let 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 everyone do them. You know, what makes them comfortable. You know, and I'm just like, and it just kind of brought back that weirdness of of pandemic times. And yeah, so this song started swinging around in my head, and uh, I haven't played this much, so I, it's. I think I still knew the words though. They're in my pocket, but I think I'm gonna fly without them. <laughs> I'll regret that in a minute. <laughs> hey, man, I did it too. <laughs> I call this uh, another revolution. Close enough.
thought we might grow Stronger from stormy weather How can't we know We're in this all together It's painful to watch This world is still botched It'll take some time to climb Back to precedented times After a revolution There's another round, round the sun Progress and evolution Are never really done Revolution There'll be another one Something like that. Something like that, man. Maybe it's the, I guess it's the open tune stuff that maybe that maybe that's why you're attracted to it. But uh, one thing that stands out immediately about that song is just how much you're able to do with the guitar part to make it so much more interesting than if it were you know just a standard kind of thing. Yeah, that drives me a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it's you know it keeps me interested, you know, and that's if I'm not interested, no one's gonna be interested. Yeah. <laughs> Also, your voice sounds really, really nice. Oh, thank uh, you, thank you. I hope I didn't redline us on that. I no, it was all, it was like almost wanting to peak, uh, and it might have peaked in the, just the first verse, but it I, it'll be that's fine. okay. Yeah, I've uh, peaked already, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's cool. So, was that your kind of what state of mind were you in when you wrote that one? That sounds like definitely a pandemic song. Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of you know, yeah. I mean, I knew something would something would come out of it and it was just kind of like i guess it was kind of it was the point where it was a year in you know and and when after everyone you know hoping and 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 praying that it was and being told it was going to be like two or three weeks or whatever and like there was a year later and we're just all kind of like what's happening now you know so i mean i'm i'm grateful uh You know, I, we weathered the storm okay. You know, I, I was we were able to get by and 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 everyone safe and lived to tell. You know, it was kind of like that was where I was. Like, you know, well, you know, let's 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 be grateful and let's also say, you know, what have we learned from this? You know, and you know, from a songwriting point, that was. that's a song that was more for me than anybody else, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I didn't worry about, the, the fear of being preachy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, it's, cause that's not really what kind of writer I, I, I am or what kind of writing I enjoy. You know, it's like, I, I don't like being told what to think or what to do. And, uh, I don't, you know, um, and I, you know, I really, I, I felt my, I felt myself treading on that a little bit, but I'm like, eh, you're just, you're just reflecting, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's more about, you know, staying, staying, uh, 
healthy during that, you know, and, and, and like music. I will say that like uh, the 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 forced break of that in terms of of being a, a itinerant musician, it you know it came at a a time where I, I guess I was ready for it. Yeah, you know, and uh, I didn't know that I was as much, or, but but like I I was I was. I don't think I was enjoying the the trajectory that I was that I'd find myself in, you know. Like I, I had, I was I think I was just doing a lot of jobs that I wouldn't necessarily have done. And it kind of led me to examine, you know, yes, you're making money from music and and you've got a good, uh, you know, uh, momentum going with that. But it's all then. I was just like, yeah, you know. But I, I, there's a part of that that I that I miss that that wasn't quite as there. And it, and you know, and a lot, there were a lot of gigs that were you know not focused on original music anymore. And and it was kind of like it became like this. You know, I got I. I don't want to sound ungrateful, you know, but but it it did kind of make me realize well maybe maybe it's time to take a pause for the cause and like kind of take that back for yourself and uh Absolutely. and then and then I was forced to you know yeah. and then I was and then I was like here's your chance to examine like who you are without a guitar strapped onto you you know and like do you, what do you want it what do you want to be you know what do you want to be able to do uh in addition to that you know yeah and then, uh, and that kind of led directly into us moving down here. And uh, and I found that when I picked the the guitar back, I never put it down, but I, I, you know, like everyone, I hadn't left the house with it, you know, for a couple of years. And then when I when I did leave the house with it again, mm-hmm. what I can what I reconnected to was like the the joy of playing music and like the like the community. Like that's that's the thing that that I missed, you know. And that's just like, and you know, I met the the everyone I've met down here is, has been through playing music with, and and it's just kind of like not everyone, but like aside from my neighbors, it's like the community I've kind of dialed into has been, you know, uh, the crew, uh, the the Muddy Creek, uh, Old Salem crew that uh, open mic over there, Dan. Collins, Country Dan, you know, mm-hmm. Country Dan, of course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and Cindy and Bob were, were two of the first people I met over there. And uh, so, you know, and I, that kind of just opened that, opened that, uh, that gift back up, you know, just kind of like taking it back for me a little bit, you know. And, uh, and I think a lot of musicians, I know a lot of musicians who, who, like everyone was forced to retool, but I think a lot of musicians kind of switched things up after that. And not, oh yeah, and you know, and it's like we, you you kind of had to if you wanted to even keep doing it. And I was just watching uh, somebody online do some do it, somebody do a, a, a home at home streaming thing, and I'm like, oh, I don't miss that man. You know, <laughs> like I'm so disinterested in that. 
Yep. And like he and he was saying how he he was like, you know, since pandemic I have, you know, my my touring's been so disrupted and I haven't toured in all these places that I regularly went to and so he's like, so I'm still just doing this to make sure I stay connected to those people until I can get back there and whatever and uh which I understand. But but at the same time like I hated that shit. I I had no interest. I didn't really do it. I mean, I did one or two that were I was part of that I got asked to do and like yeah, I just I just kind of I didn't connect to it, you know. And like yeah. and people did it well. And like and I'm thankful it was there, but like it was something that I was not interested in doing. Yeah. I didn't do any live ones. I yeah. did the I did a something a video series that Ramcat put on, but Oh cool. And that was well produced. It was professionally produced. Like it was good, but Yeah. Uh I did not participate and it was just such a sad time but you know one thing i will say that i don't think i've said out loud yet but i think a lot of the people who were just in it to make what they thought was easy money and clog up the industry i know some of those people quit and Mm. didn't go back and Uh that honestly gave me a little bit of a sigh of relief because it was just like oh like and then and then all these like great players started like hitting the road real hard and i was just okay. like what an interesting turn this is kind yeah. of nice yeah uh, that's just whatever me having a poor attitude probably <laughs> no i hear what you're saying yeah but I, w- I was thinking about the uh i came up with something about that too like the the idea of um that the barriers of entry have been erased through digital availability and digital yeah. distribution you know and uh and there and the, the equalizer is still you know people need to be interesting enough to listen to yeah and so that you know in, in a way it's kind of like just makes it into a more of a free market which is on many levels, very cool, you know, and, uh, but yeah, then you get into the whole, you know, uh, what's the, what's the phrase, uh, gatekeeper thing, you know? Yeah. But, um, where was I going with that? I don't know. I guess I was just going off on, uh, I found a recording of, uh, actually it was from Godfrey Daniels. Look at that. There's there. We've come full circle. I found a 20-year-old recording from there in my, in my closet on a CD. And, uh, and I, when I realized, I'm like, this February, I was like, oh, that's, that's, like, that's going to be 20 years ago, that show. You know? And like, it's been sitting in my closet for 20 years. Yeah. I'm like, I should do something with this. You know? It was really cool. The sound, the sound man, there was a, a great sound man there by the name Otto Bost, who is sadly gone now, uh, made, made me this record of that night and uh and it was just one of those magical nights that like i i don't even know that i knew he was recording it honestly but uh it was a a, a great night in that i had just met this guy jimmy heffernan who plays dobro uh and i think that was one of the first if not the first gig we did together and then we just clicked you know and he's he's a stunning player nashville Nashville studio guy and has you know he's got he's got chops and creds out the wazoo but uh you know ended up 
on the bill with me that night and I was like thrilled, you know? And, uh, and then and he was a brand new friend and, and my buddy Carl, who I played with since I was a teenager on keyboards and the three of us just kind of gelled into like, you know, when there's a, when there's a night, it's just like, it's an unrehearsed kind of bit of, bit of magic, you know, mm-hmm. lightning in a bottle kind of thing. And it was just like, this guy caught it on tape and, and it was, it's just a really charged night for me. And uh, I, was, I was so glad to have found that. And then the thing wouldn't play. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> it was like a two CD thing. And like the, the, and the, I couldn't get the second one playing. And I was like, oh, no, you know. <laughs> but then I tried all these things on it. And I was finally able to, to rip, the, rip the digital off of there. Uh. So, so my whole reason for saying that was that, that I was like, you know what? I should just put this on like band camp. You know, I'm like, I don't, you know, I'm not looking to sell it. I'm not going to promote it. I just like, I, I, now that I found it, I want to have it. Yeah. And like, that'll, that's a safe place to keep it. And then, and then at the same time, as soon as I hit upload, it's, it's worldwide distribution. When you think about it, you yeah. know, it's like, it is available anywhere in, with it with an internet connection now you know it's, it's crazy and it's it's amazing and that part is nice the uh the lack like the the barrier to entry part is nice it has i think it's it's weird because there's less judgment you know and so i mean clearly a byproduct of that is going to be that since there's more art there's more shitty art out there too there's more like sure. shitty music out sure, there yeah. and I actually take a lot of pleasure in listening to bad music, like stuff that's just really, really bad. Um, so <laughs> it's fine. I'm glad that it's out there. I'm glad that I can find it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, at the same time, it's just, it's a sad reality that like there's this with, with the easier access, it means like the harder, it means that there's just more of everything from bad to good. And uh, sometimes it's a little disheartening because you can understand now, like it's hard to bitch, I guess, about, not having your opportunity or whatever, like, like, like somebody like in my shoes, when I'm looking at what success looks like for me and seeing how far away that I feel like I am from it when it comes to just using that, using social media appropriately and using, you know, relationships within the industry appropriately to have a larger audience or whatever. It's like, it's like, yeah, but in order to have access to all that stuff, you kind of really need to cultivate a large following on your own. And knowing how to do that with all of this stuff out there in the world, it's quite, I, I find it quite difficult to figure out how to exist. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to disconnect from, from, it's a different mindset, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's, and it's, it's also very frustrating in terms of like, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a whole other conversation too. It but is, it, but it's, it's uh it's all over the place. Um it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> but you know, you want it you you want it to you want it to reach people, you know. And sure if there's a little financial reward from it, got you know, great, you know. But at the same time it's like if we were in this for the money we'd wouldn't have got into it in the first place. So it's kind of like, it's true, but I mean, that's, that's not, that's a cop out in, in that. I don't know. I, I hear, I hear stuff that like, you know, when I, I heard, when I found your, uh, life lessons from, from blonde girls, record, I was like, 
this should be all over the place, you know? <laughs> and and I, I, sh I shot it around to a couple. I shot it down to a buddy in Florida, a guy in Pennsylvania. I was just like, listen to what's happening in Winston-Salem here. <laughs> So. Well, before you leave today, I'll give I'll give you a hard copy of that. Oh, I was gonna say, does it exist? Yeah, 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 I have plenty of them. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. I mean, a whole other conversation too is, uh, you know, we're in the, we're kind of in the post CD era. You know? Yeah, and it and it's and it's changed the paradigm of of survival as a itinerant musician. Yeah, because the the days of like, you know, I used to make a decent living selling CDs out of my trunk. And once that changed, you're, you're kind of, you know, your live show. Yeah. So you, you make a door and you make tips and whatever, but it's like, you're not, if you're not able to move merch like you used to, yep. that changes the, the balance of that a lot. Yeah. And you got to sell vinyl and you got to sell shirts. You got to sell stuff that you have to invest more money in from the get go. Yeah. And it was easier for some reason to spend like, I don't know, 1200 1500 on cds on a shipment of cds and it is it's i mean obviously it's easier because vinyl's much more expensive and shirts are a little bit of a riskier i guess clutter building mm. merch item because you know you're gonna have boxes and boxes of shirts like sitting there um you can't fit like 300 shirts into one box like you mm. can with cds you know so i don't know it's clunkier but that's the merchandise that people buy you know yeah at this point Nobody wants a fucking CD. <laughs> I'll share one more song with you, and then we'll probably start wrapping up after you do your second one. And uh, this is the closest thing I probably have to like a direct pandemic reflecting song. Oh, cool. And I don't know if I remember it or not. We'll see. I'm just on the fly. Um, I was in a relationship through a, a part of the pandemic experience, particularly the quarantine. And... Um, was in love with someone and this song kind of was like about the crazy combination of those feelings juxtaposed with this feeling like the world was crashing down around you, you know? And so it was kind of, it was like, wow, like a horrible feeling mixed with this, you know, feeling of love. It's like a, <laughs> it's a confusing kind yeah. of combo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see if I remember this shit.
And you told me that you were my girl And me and America sat there and stared at you As if you were saving the world And I made a bet the world still has yet to make for the end of the line Yeah, they sound the alarms But you lie in my arms And I lose all sense of time All the people Turn soldier And there's so much I don't understand Got the weight of the world on my shoulders But I'm light as a ghost in your hands colder and you laid on my shoulder with coffee and leaves in the wind and I took you back home and said I want you to know that I can't wait to see you again they say that there's doom to come to us soon but it feels like we're gonna be fine I don't remember exactly so yeah, the, yeah they sound the alarms But you lie in my arms And I lose all sense of time And if the world's gonna end I'll be with you, my friend, and we'll lose all sense of time. Oh, yeah. There's that one. <laughs> yeah, I remember that it just at the time it was like couldn't keep up, you know, for one reason or another, either you were happy or in despair, but time made no sense anymore, you know? Oh, yeah, God. Well, that captures it well. And uh, you had me, at, me in America sat there and stared at you. That was it. <laughs> After that, I had full buy-in. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> but the... Um, you know, I'm gonna try it, but I'm gonna. You want the standard? I think I'll do the standard. Yeah. Okay. The because uh, something you said about the uh, Chuck's suppose with pandemic. This this could be a good idea or not. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm gonna do it because that's what we're doing. Oh um, yeah. 
Um, you look good with my guitar, so I'm going to take a picture. Oh, thanks, of you. man. The uh, um, what you said about the you know the juxtaposition of the pandemic and the relationship, and, yeah. and the feeling you know feeling feeling bad on 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 different levels. <laughs> um, this is, this song is like I I literally. I think I've, I've, I don't think it's done yet, but so it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a phone on my, on my, on my knee thing. Gotcha. I actually, I got a a stand right there if you want it. uh, I'm so anti-stand. I'm just going to go with this. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) Just going to do this so it doesn't turn off. I respect the game. But, uh, um, I was going to say the, uh, well, I, I've been, I have been writing this song for a while and, and it's, I've been kind of putting it off, not putting it off, but like, it was in a place where I was like, I didn't know how it ended. And so it was like, I was getting picky. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'll come back to it when it, when I figure out how it ends or whatever. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's delicate because it's, uh, um, you're the first person hearing this. Oh, it. cool. So, uh, I haven't I feel even played it for my wife who it is for um uh we we're gonna be married 20 years next month and congratulations thanks man and uh so somewhere in the back of my mind i was kind of like i should i should write a song for that you know and as it as, as the as the month got more got closer oh that's where i put the words uh you know, I had this idea, and I was like, okay, that's the idea. It, I'll talk about it later. But uh, um, um, oh, I was going to say, we met, we we started dating right after 9-11. Mm. And it was like we, we were getting serious right in, right when that happened. And that, that, that juxtaposition of like feeling that strongly about someone in such a charged time it has always been kind of a you know it, it uh what's the word you know if it, it uh galvanized what we were what we were building rather quickly i think because of like we were like you know like you said if the world's coming to an end you know and uh so that, in terms of a a uh, transition, yeah. <laughs> but not that this song is about that. The other thing about I, I've been wanting, to, I've been listening to a lot of country since we moved down here, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Honestly, I, I've I've always liked country music, but I've just kind of been like that's been the thing I listen to in the car now, you know. And I'm just like, I've started. Focusing focusing in on the songwriting because to me, you know, it's like I'll hear a good country song and I'll be like, well, "That's just a good folk song with with good production value." You know? Yeah, and then, absolutely. And, and it's just like, and then you know, there's there's plenty of bad country too, just like good and bad cholesterol, I'm sure. But you know, so 
only the only pre the only uh, th- this is this is me playing a country song. It's my, it's my <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> this is my a folk singer playing country songs. Doesn't seem possible that 20 years have passed. It took me by surprise today, knowing we're here to stay, and we figured out what lasts. Though I know sometimes we can forget. But we've known it since the day that we first met And if you're willing, I'm in for the long haul too Doing 20 life with you Met back when we had the time To get by on love and wine Wishing on our stars Bed They didn't think We'd last To starving artists Living on the stage And off guitars And long rides in cars And borders bookstores And dreaming of more Sometimes we still forget But we've known it since the day that we first met And if you're willing, I'm in for the long haul too Doing 20 to life with you Life is showing around our eyes But I still read The glow that drew me near And wife, you're still the sun to me You light up the history Of the love that led us here Though I know sometimes we still forget But we've known it since the day that we first met If you're willing, I'm in for the long haul too Doing 20 to life with you Doing 20 to life with you Lovely. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah. That has a, uh, it has a scheme that it is... It, can go unnoticed but is like hard uh you got like a you got bookends on it so it's got like an a b b a c c thing you got two you got a rhyme on the front lines as well as the back which is good writing thank you thank you i i learned from the best (laughs) um 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well, that's for you, Max. <laughs> that's uh, super sweet. <laughs> it's. Uh, I know it's dangerous to uh, you know do a anniversary song with a uh, with a, a prison <laughs> metaphor, but. Uh, <laughs> I love it. But I was like, you know, if you can pull that off, you can, you can, you can call it a country song, and I, you know, there's something there. So I love that. It's, it's still, uh, it's still, it's, it's not quite soup yet. But I was like, you know, I just be brave and play the damn song for him today. And it's just, you definitely it, kept that. You captured something southern in that. Oh, thank you. In that metaphor. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Also, something about like little, little unexpected like little modern uh references like a borders bookstore like yeah you i know, like that do you like that see i was gonna ask you that because I, I is that too specific i don't i mean do i i had it i was thinking of you know i was thinking of borders of course because you know when we when we first met and and, and i was running around doing all these gigs back at, back in those days borders were a mainstay of like a gig that you can do on an off day and that paid well and you could schedule them like they were everywhere. So like you'd play a coffee house on Saturday and go to the bookstore on Sunday. Mm. And I just have this memory of Maggie being with me at all these, at all these bookstore gigs, you know? And, and so I was like, do I say borders or do I say like quiet bookstores? Yeah. It's so a good I question. I don't know. I you know, and I, and I went back and forth and then I was like, you know what you mean borders. So for, for now, Sing borders now, and then if it if it if it bothers you, take it out. But you know, yeah, you know, it makes me think like uh, there's a line in Chocolate Jesus that I don't actually know what he says, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and he says something like, um, "Going to church, I fall down on my knees every Sunday at the Revelees." candy store or something it sounds like it's somebody's last name oh, okay i'm not sure what the line is okay. but there's something about that that i find to be very local and i guess what i'm thinking as you were thinking about that out loud is like in another 20 years generationally borders bookstore will sound like a very throwback thing it'll yeah. sound like a very vintage thing yeah um whereas quiet bookstore will be timeless it won't be too specific it'll be very mysterious but I don't know. There's something kind of charming about knowing what Borders is and it being gone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like this, like the specificity of things makes it a little. It, it makes it more relatable. Yeah. You know, they, the specificity makes it brings it to the place. You know. So yeah, I th- yeah. That was exactly my mindset. You know, just kind of like, well, I'm like, you know, it's not a commercial. It's it's a reference. You know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that Borders did shows or whatever. Oh, you don't? Oh, wow. See, like, yeah, this is like, I keep saying the late 1900s. It it was, that was definitely the period when it started, like, around 97 or 8, I feel like. And they had, they had some sort of entertainment budget that, like, you know, they had music like six days a week. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and they were paying, I mean, you know, back then, the difference between getting through the month was, you know, you do four borders books. There's another 800 bucks in your, in your pocket. And I was just like, that's badass. Yeah. And so, uh, that was, that was really a good, a good time for that to come around too. Cause that was, that was right when I left my, my day gig in 97 
And I was like, I can do this full time. That's that's all I want to do. I don't want to like sit here at this desk anymore, you know. And I'm gonna blink and be forty if I do this, you know. Yep. And I'm certainly glad I did because that was that was the time to do it. And uh, and that and also that job was in the World Trade Center, actually. Oh wow! Holy shit! Yeah. So I mean, that was ninety. I left there in ninety seven. Jesus, that's terrifying to think about. Yeah, yeah, but. uh, everybody I worked with lived through that, thankfully. Uh, but that was it. I mean, I was, you know, I was 27 and I was like, you know, I'm not going to have this opportunity again where I can like live on the cheap. I, I wasn't, I wasn't married yet. I was, you know, I didn't have a mortgage. Didn't have, I was like, you know, what, what bills do you have, dude? What, what are you waiting for? This is, this is the time. And I did, you know, and I took, I took the leap and that was it. And, uh, and then once you do that, you're kind of like, okay, where's the rest of that money coming from? That <laughs> One thing about that day job was that they paid you. That's right. You know? Yeah. And, uh, so when that came along, I was just like, yeah, I, I could play in a bookstore for, for three hours and then, you know, yeah. that, that's fine by me. That's, that's practice. Bookstore is not a bad environment. Either. Yeah. It was oh, yeah. kind of quiet. It was quiet. Exactly. Yeah. There was, and people people were there browsing you'd, you'd grow you grow an audience with people who wouldn't have seen you otherwise you know and like new bookstores where they sell new books they smell so good oh, I could, I just when we were talking about, i could smell that I know. just as we were saying that i could smell the, the borders lobby there yep i guess i mean i can i can just think of barnes and noble and smell it it's pretty yeah. weird and that, that might oh, be yeah. by design i don't know but it's it's pretty cool oh i guess i guess the borders are all gone aren't they there's a barnes and noble in, in yeah on uh stratford yeah, somewhere around there. Haynes, somewhere right outside the mall. Yeah. Okay, and, but uh, that borders are all gone, aren't they? Yeah. I see that. There it is. That near, Yeah, it's got to stay. That reference has to stay. Yeah, it's classic now. Well, uh, I guess dinner time approaches. We just hit the two-hour mark. I'm amazed, my brother, because <laughs> I was like leaving the house and thinking... You know, I, I looked at the the play time of 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 your of your guests, and I was like, "Wow, everybody! He's got like an hour and a half at least with everybody." I'm like, "There's no way I'm going to be able to talk for an hour and a half." Yeah, but here we are, <laughs> two hours. <laughs> and honestly, this has been so fun. I want to do more song swap. I episodes. really appreciate you you being open to that, dude. It's yeah. so cool. Uh, I didn't. I've never done this with the podcast, and like. I was just I was talking to Will Easter last time he was on here and I was saying like I was I was kind of talking about the difference between music and and comedy podcasts and how I'm like we can't write like com- comedians can just be funny in real time on podcasts and it's kind of their craft and it's we can't do that in the same way we can't really like capture our craft in the same way but I think the song swap thing and talking about the craft like we did today. Yeah. But I think the song swap thing really adds something to that. Like, I think I might should do this more often. I agree. Especially, yeah. I mean, I know you have other, I know you have a lot of non musicians on, but especially when you have a songwriter on, it just kind of opens the, opens the channel, you know? Yeah. It's like, super man, cool. Yeah. I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you did this. I'm yeah. Glad. Me too. I really, I really enjoyed it, man. Thank you. And cool. I, I, I love what you're writing, man. Your, your new songs are great. And I, I can't wait to hear what you're, I know you're in the studio on and off now. And I can't wait to hear what you come up with, brother. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, um, as I'm sure we will, let's keep looking for opportunities to play some music together. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah. I'm super glad you're here. So 
uh, thank you for doing the podcast. And I'm, it's, it's been a pleasure to just like talk the craft with you finally. Likewise, Tyler. Hell Appreciate yeah. it, man. All right. Thanks, Marble. <laughs>